If you'd like to be turning in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 4, the majority of our text will come from there, Deuteronomy chapter 4. It's good to see everyone this morning. It's good to be back. I um, enjoyed my time away and it was very encouraging and um, very profitable. Um, it's always good to come home and to be amongst the brethren here and to rekindle our fellowship and to remember uh, the bond that we have in Christ. And it's so wonderful to see each and every one of you here this morning. I wanted to do things just a little bit differently uh, this morning. Uh, the lesson's really in two parts. The first part is going to be uh, a recapping, if you will, a little bit of information about the week that I spent last week. Um, in um, northern Alabama at a, uh, a conference called Profitable for Teaching. Um, and of course that comes from 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16 where Paul says that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so every year um, men come together and we have uh, about six older men who hold Bible classes for us younger preachers. And it is a very encouraging time. We do uh, six one-hour classes a day uh, for four days. Monday is a travel day. Then we have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday that we are in class. We also have some question and answer sessions and some singing. And uh, we assemble at uh, uh, congregations in the area on Wednesday night to uh, to come together, and, and so it's just a very encouraging time. Um, we also have, uh, they feed us three meals a day, which is very nice. They take very good care of us. We have ladies there at the facility that, that cook and uh, keep us going, so it's a very encouraging time. So what I wanted to do this morning was talk a little bit about it um, and then make some application uh, of how important it is uh, to continue teaching. And how important it is that the Word of God needs to be learned and it needs to be spread. So that's what we will talk about this morning as we go forward. And I wanted to, to remind you of um, something here from Acts chapter 14. In Acts chapter 13, Paul sets off on his first missionary journey. And he comes back towards the end of uh, chapter 14. He comes back to Antioch where he left from. Um, and he gives a report of the things that had been accomplished. So there in Acts chapter 14, beginning verse 24, it says, They passed through Pisidia and came into Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From there they sailed to Antioch, from which they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had accomplished. And notice what it says there in verse 27. When they arrived, they gathered the church together. They began to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. So it's not unprecedented and it's not without Bible reference to, to tell about the things that have been accomplished uh, by God. Not by me, not by um, anything else, but by God. The efforts that we put in are the efforts that God expects us to put in to continue to learn and to continue to grow in our appreciation of the scriptures. As I mentioned, the... Um, the conference is called Profitable for Teaching. And this year, these, these are the six men that were uh, there. Um, 
to teach Bible classes, uh, Brother Ed Bragg Bragwell brought lessons on the importance of keeping things in context. Um, we looked at some examples in 1 Corinthians and Romans and other places. But how important it is to, to, to look at a verse, and, and, and a lot of times you can single out a verse and it has a lot to say, and you can make application from that. But then, then stepping back and looking at the context in which that verse appears, who the audience is, what the, are, the, are the situations in which that is being spoken of, and you stress how important it is to get the context of what it is that we preach from. I try to do that personally, but I'm going to re-up my efforts to make sure that I, that I can communicate when appropriate the context in which scriptures are taken from. So that was very encouraging. Brother Leon Malden, you might recognize that name. He does a lot of travel over to the Mideast, um, takes a lot of photographs, um, does a lot of um, archaeological endeavors while he's there. And he spoke of um, the archaeology and the um, geography of uh, our Lord's ministry, which was very, very uh, eye-opening uh, and encouraging. Um, he's holding a meeting, by the way, over at Lakeland Hills starting today, uh, running through Friday. And he's going to be speaking on one of those topics is going to be um, the life of Christ. So if you'd like to... to, to go or more information about that, let me know. I'll be glad to give it to you. Brother Tom Holly spoke of um, book four in the book of Psalms um, and just wonderful lessons on the, the Psalms and the importance of the Psalms. Um, and you'll be hearing some of that coming, coming forward. I committed myself to, 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 to preaching a little bit more out of the book of Psalms. I recognize a, a hole in my uh, personal repertoire, so we're going to hear some more lessons from the book of Psalms. <laughs> Brother Ken McDaniel spoke about the importance of evangelism. He's just started a work up in Springfield, Illinois. Um, I think he's been there, I think I want to say five years. Started from nothing, didn't know a soul there, just recognized that there was, geographically there wasn't a church very close in Springfield, Illinois. So he started one in the, in the living room of his house with about five people. Now they're in their own building. They have, I think, 25 or 30 regular members, and so they're growing. And so he talked a lot about just nuts and bolts of evangelism, getting out into the community, and those kind of things. So some very good lessons on that. Um, some things I'd like to, for us to put into practice. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks and months. Skipping over here to Lonnie Aldag. Lonnie has been preaching in the same place for 23 years. So we had kind of the, the ends of the spectrum here. One man who's, who likes to go and, and start new works and is very encouraging by that. And then Lonnie has been in one place for 23 years. Leon has been where he is for 29 years. So we had some interesting discussion about, um, you know, that longevity, the long-term um, working with a group and the, and the pros and cons of that. So it was a very interesting discussion about that. Brother Wes Brown um, uh, spoke from the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, which we studied here not too long ago. And so that was refreshing to, to hear him talk about that. He has such a command of scripture. Um, it's a difficult book sometimes to understand, but he broke it down and, and helped us to understand that um, Solomon is writing and, and searching for truths. And the truth he ultimately comes to is that um, what's found there in, at the end of the book, fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. 
There's lots of things that are done under the sun, but if you have God in your life, all those things are very, can be very, very pleasing. And it's always under, uh, great to understand that if you keep his commandments, that there is a rest waiting for you when this life is over. So it was very encouraging to look at that. Uh, just to give you kind of a flavor of, um, of the lessons there, that is Brother um, Tom Holly. Uh, he has such a command of scripture and such a pleasure listening to him. He's one of those that you, wow, an hour's gone by already? You know, it's one of those kind. Um, so very encouraging to listen to him. Uh, this is just a couple of others. There's, that's Lonnie Aldag and that's Wes Brown. I, I'm not gonna, I don't have pictures of all of them, just wanted to give you a little bit of a flavor. Um, by the way, that's Ian Rice and Justin Lewis. They participated in our gospel meeting this past year. Um, Ian preaches at um, Lakeland Hills, actually, and Justin is now working with the um, Temple Terrace congregation. So they were there this year as well as last. Um, and this is a picture of all of us that were there. Uh, there was about 25 students, um, six teachers, and then a couple of other men that, that kind of floated in and out that were local and came by as, as they had opportunity. Um, plus the ladies that were helping us out by keeping us fed and keeping us going. So we had around 40 people or so total at the campground where we, where we met. Um, and I just can't tell you how encouraging it was to, to spend the time around um, these men and to talk and to, and to sit and, and listen and, and study God's word. Very, very encouraging time. And I appreciate the patience from the brethren here and letting me uh, be gone away from here so that I can participate. And um, we'll all profit from, uh, from the efforts in all of this. If you have any further questions and want more details about that, please see me after. I'll be glad to, to give you any more details. What I wanted to, to bring to you as far as the message this morning is understanding that there is importance in teaching, of course, and it is so very important to the life of a Christian that we continue to teach, that we continue to learn. There's so much that we, um, that's in God's Word that, that reveals Him. And the more we read, the more we study, the more God is revealed to us. And that's why weeks like last week are so, so encouraging and so eye-opening is because that we delve deeper and deeper into God's Word and God reveals Himself through His Word. So I wanted to use uh, Deuteronomy 4 uh, as a way to, um, to talk about the importance of teaching. And there's four R's here in, in the first part of, of Deuteronomy 4 that I want to they want us to recognize and, and see um, how this relates to our learning today. Um, context. In the context, you remember what Deuteronomy is, is a retelling of the law. So Moses is, is retelling um, the history of the, of the children of Israel coming out of bondage in Egypt. And it comes to chapter 4, and here he's reminding them of the things that God has done. And what God has done for his people. And how important it is for them to remember the things that God has done. And in this we see that uh, the application to us is that 
things need to be taught, we need to be reminded, and we need to make application in our own lives. So I titled this the four R's in Deuteronomy 4. So the first R that we can look at is understanding that we need to have respect for his commandments. Devin read there verses 1 and 2. Let's, let's read that again and read down through verse 4 in Deuteronomy 4. It says, And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I am teaching you to perform, in order that you may live and go in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I am commanding you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I commanded you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord has done in the case of Baal Peor. For all the men who followed Baal Peor, the Lord your God, has destroyed them from among you. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are still alive today, every one of you. So respecting his commandments is where uh, it begins, isn't it? Respecting the authority of our God, knowing that he is sovereign, and knowing that what he says, what he tells us to do, is the law for us, just as it was for the children of Israel. Something that is mentioned in this, where he says, don't add to or take away from, you might even have that verse underlined in your Bible. It's an important verse, because it speaks to the sovereignty of God, and it speaks to the importance of his word. There's a similar verse in the New Testament, when you get over into chapter 22 of Revelation, Similar verse is, starting verse 18, I testify to everyone who hears the word of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? God will add him to the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words, the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. So we have an Old Testament example. We have a New Testament example. What is the, the, the telling here? It tells us, don't take away from God's word. This is the Holy Scriptures. These are the Holy Scriptures. Don't take away from this. Nor are you to add to. We spoke a little bit about this in our Bible class this morning. It's not up to man to add to God's word. God's word is complete. Nothing needs to be added to it. Nor can we take away anything from it. Now you might say, well, it says written in this book. This is the book of Revelation. So I can't add or take away from the book of Revelation that doesn't say anything about the book of Ephesians. Well, do you think God would be okay with you adding or taking away from the book of Ephesians? Or Matthew's Gospel? Or the book of Acts? Or the book of Romans? Or the book of Hebrews? No. Of course not. So the lesson to us is that we've got to take God's word for what it is. Not add to it, not take away from it. And also understand that God punishes disobedience. And the, the example here he brings up in Baal Peor back in Numbers chapter 25, as they're, the children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness awaiting that time when they might enter the land, they had some difficulties. One of the things they struggled with, to get chapter 25 and other places, is idolatry. And they were serving, they were marrying other people of the land, and they were engaging in idolatry. If you remember the accounts there and what happens when the spear is put through the Midianite woman and one of the, of the Jewish people there, and that stopped the plague that, that God brought upon them, 
Because God said, I'm going to wipe you out, the people who are engaged in this. And it says that about 24,000 people died because of the sin of Baal Peor. So what does that tell us? It tells us that before you think about adding to or taking away from God's word, understand that there's punishment for that. There's, un there's punishment for not obeying what God has said. We need to have the respect for his commandments that he so deserves. The second R we can look at is recognizing the righteousness of God. Pick back up in our reading in verse 5. Let's read down through verse 8. It says, See, I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do thus in the land where you are entering in to possess it. So keep and do them, for that is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God whenever we call on him? Or what great nation is there that has statutes and judgments as righteous as the whole law which I am setting before you today? Brethren, we need to recognize the righteousness of God. It's not just a word that we uh, uh, say about him, a way to describe him. He is righteousness. If we want to understand what's right in a world that's increasingly blurring that line and flipping what's right and what's wrong, God is what's right. His righteousness is on display in his word. Recognize in this not only the righteousness of God, but, but there's an action that's involved in this. Keep and do them. You heard that as we were reading. It's not just that we have commandments that are written, and not just the children of Israel had these commandments on the tablets of stone. You've got to keep them, you've got to do them. You've got to keep the commandments of God. That means to know and understand them, and then you've got to put them into practice. That's important in recognizing that the God that has given you this is righteous. And you can count on his commandments being righteous as well. In Philippians 4, a similar sentiment, Paul writes here when he says there in verse 8, beginning, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, pure, lovely, of good repute, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So what are those things? Those are the things of righteousness of God. Those are the things that we are to dwell on. And look what he says in verse 9. These things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. So here it is again. It's not only that we know the word of God and know the tenets that are there and the, uh, what he is commanding us to do and, and true and right and pure, but then we put them into practice keep and do. Same thing applies to us as it did to the children of Israel. We've got to keep these commandments. We've got to meditate on them and put them into practice. I like what is said in this that it says that there is a God so near to them. What other nation has a God that leads them in this way that is so near them that they can talk to him and, and, and petition him? It reminds me of what is said in Jeremiah 31 and verse 33, 
But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them and on their hearts I will write it. I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's the relationship that God wants. That's the relationship that God has always wanted. The, the Hebrew writer quotes this in his writing. That this is what the relationship ought to be like in Christ. That he is our God and we are his people. And that's the relationship that he's always wanted. And that is a God that's near to us. He doesn't govern in the same way as he did under the old law and the law of Moses. He doesn't lead us around as a nation of people. But we're a spiritual nation. We're a holy priesthood. Peter reminds us of that in his writing. And God is very, very near to us. Paul talks about in, in Acts chapter 17 that God is at hand. He's that close. And that's something that we ought to remember. That's something that we ought to be thankful for and give praise for. That our God is not afar off. And neither is our God a carven image. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. The third R is to remember what he has done for you. In the con context, <laughs> Moses is saying all of this to get the people to remember what God has done for them. Beginning in verse 9, it says, Only give heed to yourself and keep your, your soul diligently, lest you forget the things which eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. But make them known to the sons and your grandsons, Remember the day you stood before the Lord at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, Assemble the people to me, that I may let them hear my word, so that they may learn to fear me all the days of their life on earth, and they may teach their children. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire to the very heart of the heavens, darkened clouds and thick gloom. Then the Lord spoke to you from the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of the words, but you saw no form, only a voice. So he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you the statutes and judgments that you might perform them in the, last, or in the land where you are going to possess it. Remember what he has done for you. Remember all that he has done for you. How he gave you his word and those tablets of stone. This is how you ought to live your life. These are the instructions for living a life pleasing to God. He gave you his laws. And you ought to remember them. Remember, keep and do. This is that. Keeping his law. So that you will know what you do when you get to the promised land. He says that he's reminding them, Moses is reminding the children of Israel that he's given you what you need, so conduct yourselves as such when you get to the promised land, that land that goes all the way back to the promise of Abraham. Does that sound familiar? Do you think God has, has left it up for us, our own devices, to just figure out what God wants us to do? Remember in our Bible class this morning, we talked about the danger of assuming what the will of God is. We have to be very careful in assuming what the will of God is. Now, we can know what the will of God is. We can determine what the will of God is by reading his word. And so when it comes to us today, we've been told how we ought to conduct ourselves in the church, haven't we? 
in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, but in case I'm delayed, I write to you so that you will know how you ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and support of the truth. Very similar in, in the application here, isn't it? We have a land that we are to possess. And brethren, we're in the kingdom now. There is yet a rest that waits for us when this life is over. But God has told us how we ought to conduct ourselves in this kingdom. Just like he told the children of Israel how they ought to conduct themselves in the promised land. So he's given us those things. He's told us what we ought to do. The remembering on our part is remembering what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has done for us. How he hung on a cross and paid that terrible cost for sin. That ought to be fresh in our minds. That's what we ought to remember that God has done for us to save us from our sins. The fourth and final R. So we need to realize that there is only one God. Let's pick back up in our reading now in verse 15. It says, So watch yourselves carefully, since you do not see any form of the day the Lord spoke to you on Horeb from the midst of the fire, lest you act corruptly and make a graven image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the sky, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the water below the earth. Verse 19. And beware, lest you lift up your eyes to heaven and see the sun and the moon and the stars and the host of heaven and be drawn away from the worship and worship them and serve them which the Lord our God has allotted to all peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace from Egypt to be a people for his own possession as today. The children of Israel were being reminded that they need to realize that there's only one God. And they ought not to be engaging in idolatry, and graven images, and carved images to, to male and female, to, to animals, to things that creep on the ground, to fish that live in, under the waters. That's idolatry. Idolatry supplants the relationship that he desires. Remember, we read back there in Jeremiah how he wanted it to be, he be their God, and them be his people. It's terrible phrasing. But that's the relationship that he wants. Terrible phrasing on my part. That's the relationship that he wants. And when you engage in idolatry, you supplant that. You have something that comes between you and your God. How can he be your father if there's something in between him and you? That's what idolatry is. It supplants that relationship. Now you're focused your energies on something that, you, that your own hands have carved. How silly is that? Look what it says a little further down in the reading. In verse 21 beginning. Back in Deuteronomy 4. It says, Now the Lord was angry with me on your account and swore that I should not cross the Jordan and that I should not enter the good land which the Lord God has given to you as an inheritance. Remember what he's talking about there is that we talked about how Moses was a righteous man, but he wasn't going to enter into the promised land because he made a mistake. For I shall die in this land. I shall not cross the Jordan, but you shall cross and take possession of the good land. Notice verse 23. So watch yourselves 
lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make yourselves a graven image in the form of anything against which the Lord your God has commanded you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. Remember we talked about that there's consequences for disobedience? There's consequences for idolatry. And idolatry is disobedience to God. In Colossians 3 and verse 5, it says that greed or covetousness amounts to idolatry. So idolatry carries over, doesn't it, into the New Testament. Paul helps us define it. It's greed or covetousness that amounts to idolatry. So what is that? That's something that supplants the relationship that he desires. If we're so greedy for the things of this earth, for money or for possessions or whatever that might be, that comes between us and our God. That's idolatry. We have to realize, just like the children of Israel, that there's only one God. There's only one God that we are to serve. And nothing should come between us and the service to our Lord. I want to leave you with this this morning. Turn over to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 4. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, there it is. Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 6, like I said. One more page. Remember when Isaiah is being commissioned by God to be a prophet, to deliver the bad news to the children of Israel, to Judah in particular, to tell them, to warn them, that they needed to repent and turn back to God before it's too late. How long, O Lord? In Isaiah 6, in verse 8, it says, Then I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? And then I, that's Isaiah, said, Here I am, send me. Brethren, we need men who are willing to proclaim the truth. We need men like, we're, like I showed you in that photograph. And it's so encouraging when I look at that photograph to see those faces. And lots of them I know, lots of them I met for the first time, lots of them I met for the first time last year. But it's so encouraging to see when that call goes out, whom shall I send? There are still men in this world that are saying, here I am, send me. This is not to bloat my ego, I promise you. I stand back in awe and look at the work that God is doing in this world. And when you come together with 40-something people in one place and understand that they're going to go back to their homes and the gospel is going to continue to go forth, that's encouraging. It's encouraging to see that. And I'm glad to be a part of it. We need men who are willing to proclaim the truth. We need men who are willing to stand up, to lean forward and say, Here I am, Lord, send me. We need men who understand that the teaching's not always going to be well received. Look back in Isaiah 6, beginning in verse 9. It says, And he said, and God said, Go and tell this people, keep on listening, but do not perceive. Keep on looking, but do not understand. Render to the hearts of this people insensitive, their ears dull and their eyes dim, lest they see with their eyes 
hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and return and be healed. The word of God, God is telling Isaiah that it's not going to be heard. What you're saying, you're going out and, and, and telling people who are, who are dull of hearing. That must have been discouraging. But Isaiah was willing to stand in the breach. He was willing to do that. Teaching's not always going to be well received. In this, in this day and age, the teaching is not always well received. There are some hearts out there that are, that are yearning to hear the word of God. There's a lot of hearts that aren't. And a lot of people out there are not going to receive the gospel. That doesn't remove the duty that we have in going forth with the gospel. How long, O oh Lord? The gospel has got to continue to go out until the end of time. For Isaiah, there was a finite time. Look in verse 11. Says, then I said, Lord, how long? Here's the, the God has asked for someone to go and to proclaim and to tell the people that they need to turn back to God. Isaiah stood up and said, Here I am, Lord, send me. God says, It's going to be difficult. They're not going to hear what you have to say. Isaiah says, Well, how long, Lord, do I have to do this? And look what the Lord's response is until cities are devastated and without inhabitants. Houses are without people, and the land is utterly desolate. In Isaiah's context, he's got to keep doing his work until the children of Israel are taken into captivity, until Jerusalem is torn down, until the houses are emptied and they're carried off into foreign lands. That's a tough job, isn't it? Isaiah signed himself up for some very tough work. What's the message for us? How long, O oh Lord, are we to continue to spread the gospel? Guess what? Until that same amount of time. Until there's nothing left. Until there's no more chance of repentance in this earth. Until our Lord comes back and lays waste to this world. To the people in this world who would not hear God, would not obey his commands, would not hear the gospel. Those are the homes, the houses, the things that are going to be desolate because it's all going to be destroyed. And until that time, we have to continue to teach and preach and hear the gospel. So the question comes down to, are you willing to listen? We're not all to become teachers. Scripture tells us so. As children of God, though, we are all to be listeners. We are all to hear the gospel and to put it into practice, to keep and do. Meditate on these things. Put them into practice. That's our charge as children of God. I'm thankful that we have men in this world who are willing to teach and preach the gospel. Let us all be attentive to what they have to say. Test them. Test the spirits. Look to the scripture to make sure that these things that they are saying are true. I'm sure the things that I am saying are true. But listen and put into practice the things you hear from the gospel message. You've heard the gospel message today. 
If you have needs of this congregation, if you need prayers, if you need to um, recommit yourself to keeping and doing the word of God, let us help you with that. Let us help you in your travels in this world. We're in the kingdom. Let's continue to build on our citizenship by encouraging one another and strengthening our service to God. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.